Welcome to Tabernacle of Praise, Church of God in Christ, where we believe in encouraging, empowering, and equipping people to live victoriously through Jesus Christ. Join us now as we enter into our worship experience. We pray that this service will be a blessing to you and your life. If you have number 17, say amen. Let's read together. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and take every one of them a rod, according to the house of their fathers, of all their princes, according to the house of their fathers, twelve rods. Write thou every man's name upon his rod, and thou shalt write Aaron's name upon the rod of Levi. For one rod shall be for the head of the house of their fathers. And thou shalt lay them up in the tabernacle of the congregation before the testimony, where I will meet with you. And it shall come to pass that the man's rod, whom I shall choose, shall blossom, and I will make to cease from me the murmurings of the children of Israel, whereby they murmur against you. And Moses spake unto the children of Israel, and every one of their princes gave him a rod apiece, for each prince, one according to their father's houses, even twelve rods, and the rod of Aaron was among their rods. And Moses laid up the rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness. And it came to pass that on the morrow, Moses went into the tabernacle of witnesses, and behold, the rod of Aaron for the house of Levi was budded and brought forth buds and blossom blossoms and yielded almonds. And Moses brought out all the rods before the Lord unto the children of Israel. And they looked and took every man his rod. And the Lord said unto Moses, Bring Aaron's rod again before the testimony to be kept for a token against the rebels. And thou shalt quiet the murmurings. We'll stop right there. Let me just read verse 10 again so that there's a little bit of closure. And the Lord said unto Moses, Bring Aaron's rod again before the testimony to be kept for a token against the rebels. Thou shalt quite take them away. Their murmurings from me that they die not. The word of the Lord is blessed. And somebody's probably wondering, what does all that mean? I'll do my best to explain it in a moment. 
But just let me going to give some preface to it. When God has chosen you, and he has chosen you before the multitude, there's always somebody that thinks that they should have been the one chosen rather than the one that the Lord chose. And so would you turn to your neighbor and just say to your neighbor, hold on through the night. Everybody's going to see who's been chosen. Hold on through the night. Everybody's going to see who God picked in the morning. Precious Father, we honor you and we thank you, Lord Jesus. God, we bless you and we praise your great name. God, thank you. Because your word intimates to us that we haven't chosen you, but you've chosen us. God, and you've ordained us. God, thank you for being on your list of those being chosen. But God, you didn't choose us just so that we might be able to brag. Just so that we'd be able to pop our collar. Just so that we'd be able to say, look at me. But you chose us. God, because we have a purpose. You have a plan. God, and we're supposed to be instrumental in that plan. God, so help us to know. God, that in spite of all that we're going through right now, God, that we're still the chosen. We're still the elect. God, and we appreciate you plucking us out, knowing, oh God, that the things that we're going through now, God, are just temporary. But after a while, everybody's going to know whom God has chosen. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would grant us, God, your spirit, certainly the privilege, God, to communicate to your people what saith the Lord. We'll be careful to give your name the glory, the honor. All of the praise shall be yours. In Jesus' name we pray. We say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You may be seated. I'm not sure that I'm going to finish, so I'll just preface that by right now by saying this. But you know, what I don't finish today, I'll finish at another time. There's just so much that I wanted to say. I've actually got kind of sidetracked. I think I've blended two messages into one. But I solicit your prayers because I realize that God does things on purpose. One of the things that is important is really being able, when we're going through adversity, to survive. Many times when we think in terms of what we're going through and the attack that we're under, we feel like that the enemy is in charge of all of it. And that's not always the case. In many cases, what God has us going through really is a faith-building exercise. It just feels like it's an attack, but it's really a faith-building exercise. And in order for faith to be effectively germinated, 
it has to go through a process of where it's incubated through what I call a nighttime process. Faith cannot flourish in an atmosphere where there are no challenging circumstances. Faith flourishes when there's adversity. We don't e you don't even know that you have faith until you've been through something. Faith builds itself in the most disadvantaged situations. And God is not careful, amen, to let us know that he takes the difficult times that we experience in our lives and he uses it for the purpose of building up our faith in him. And don't worry about uh, the fact that, 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 that whether or not God is up to something. God is always up to something. It's just important for us to allow him to take us through the process. In the book of Genesis, the Bible tells us that God created the heavens and the earth. And the challenge was that the earth was without form and darkness was upon the face of the deep and there was a void everywhere. And in spite of the darkness of the earth, the Bible still says that the spirit of God moved. So it doesn't matter how dark your situation is, if God is in it, the Spirit of God still has the ability to move. God moved in nighttime situations. God moved in darkness and blackness. God moved in despair. God, hallelujah, refused to be intimidated by anything that wasn't favorable to him. Glory to God, he wasn't concerned about his surroundings. He knew that his word had the ability to overcome whatever the obstacle was. So God stood in the middle of gross blackness. Hallelujah, and opened up his mouth and declared his oracles. And the Bible says whatever he said, hallelujah, that is what happened. He spoke to gross darkness and said, let there be light, hallelujah, and out of gross darkness there came light. Light emerged and springed forth because we have a God who does not have to have the benefit of everything working in his favor in order, glory to God, to, that it would stop him from doing what he believes that he's been called to do. You have a God that has the ability to work really good in adverse situations. I don't hear nobody. Don't be intimidated, hallelujah, by nighttime experiences because in my opinion, because I've walked with God for a little while, God does some of his best work at night. Hallelujah. Maybe they didn't believe me, the person that's sitting next to you, so you would you just touch them on the shoulder and tell them God does some of his best work at night. Yes. As a matter of fact, let me just give you an example. In the book of Exodus, hallelujah, when God got ready to deliver the children of Israel, hallelujah, out of Egypt, glory to God, we call it the Passover, hallelujah, the death angel, glory to God, came at night. 
And when the death angel saw the blood over the lintel and the doorpost, uh, he passed over. Uh, hallelujah. He was working at night. Uh, it wasn't a broad daytime thing. Uh, he was doing it at night. Uh, God, uh, hallelujah, indicated to us that he does some of his best work uh, in the middle of the night. Uh, hallelujah. He says in his word even, uh, the songwriter does, he says that weeping uh, may endure for a night, uh, but joy comes in the morning. Uh, hallelujah. What gives morning uh, its brilliance uh, is the decadence of the night. Show me anyone having a great morning in their life and I'll show you somebody, glory to God, that's been through a dark night. I'll show you somebody, drums, that's been through a dark night. In fact, Great mornings aren't made of great mornings. Uh, hallelujah. Great mornings are the di are direct result of a bad night. And I want to say to those of you that, that are having your morning experience right now, uh, hallelujah, pra praise God. Don't let anybody intimidate you, uh, hallelujah, over praising God because of the morning that you are having right now. Uh, more than likely, you had a dark night uh, that you had to come out of. Uh, and so I'm of the mindset that we should rejoice with you, uh, that we should celebrate with you uh, because you made it out. You may not realize it, but the person sitting next to you, uh, glory to God, they had to pay for the morning that they're experiencing right now. Uh, they had to suffer for the morning that they are experiencing right now. They had to pray in the middle of the night uh, through the morning that they're having right now. Uh, they shed some tears uh, in order to get the morning that they're having right now. Uh, and the Bible says that after you have suffered a while, uh, that God will establish you. Uh, he will strengthen you and make you perfect so I'm glad that God uh, hallelujah glory to God works with us at night and I'm thankful that nobody's nighttime lasts forever I said nobody's nighttime lasts forever I would suggest to you my brothers and sisters that that in this room there are those of you who are going through a nighttime situation while simultaneously others are going through, glory to God, a daytime, a daybreak experience. Uh, hallelujah. At the same time, we're having two totally different experiences. Uh, I just want to tell you to hold on, uh, regardless of where you are. If you're in your daytime experience, hold on. Uh, enjoy it. Uh, nighttime is coming. Uh, if you're in a nighttime experience, uh, hallelujah, just keep on waking up every morning. As the world turns, hallelujah, you're going to come out of it all right. If you just keep going through your night, hallelujah, it's going to be daytime after a while. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't give out. Just keep going. If the world keeps turning, God, hallelujah, is going to bring you out in a little while. You don't have to do anything. To have a daytime except survive. Just survive. If you survive, daybreak is coming. As a matter of fact, the same way that you rotated into darkness uh, is the same way if you just keep holding on, uh, hallelujah, that sunshine is going to come uh, after a while. 
If you don't believe me, maybe I should call a witness or two. Uh, hallelujah. The Bible records that, that, that Paul and Silas uh, found themselves at midnight, uh, not in the middle of the day, but at midnight, uh, found themselves in a jail. Uh, the Bible said they prayed uh, and sang songs uh, unto God. Uh, hallelujah. You can't help going through a night, uh, but you can control uh, what kind of effect the night is going to have on you. Uh, if, I, if you believe, that if you just keep praising God, God will give you strength to go through. You don't have to quit. You don't have to go home. All you need to do is keep holding on to God. Hallelujah. Maybe I should bring Peter up, who was locked up in the inner prison. Hallelujah. Hands in stocks, feet in stocks. And the Bible says in the middle of the night, an angel came to him. He was asleep in stock sleep uh, hallelujah between two guards uh, 12 other guards there uh, and the bible said the angel shook him uh, not in the daytime uh, in the middle of the night uh, tell somebody hold on uh, in the night and the angel liberated him in the middle of your night. So you see something about the nighttime. Perhaps I should call Jesus himself. Hallelujah, glory to God. The same Jesus that was hung up high, that was stretched wide. Hallelujah, glory to God. The same Jesus that when he was crucified caused the sun, hallelujah, to drip with blood. Hallelujah, caused the ground to tremble. But because he endured the darkness of the night, the Bible said that early, early Sunday morning, hallelujah, he went down at night, but, but early Sunday morning, uh, he got up with all power uh, in his hands uh, because faith calls those things that aren't uh, as though they were uh, until they become what you call them. Uh, faith, uh, somebody shout faith. Uh, Faith refuses to be blinded uh, by the nighttime. Uh, it might be dark in your life, uh, but faith has the ability uh, to still see. Faith has the ability to argue with darkness uh, and said nothing uh, shall separate me from the love of God. Uh, I don't care how dark it gets. Uh, I'm going to stay right here. Uh, hallelujah. Uh, because faith is relentless. Uh, faith is tenacious. Uh, faith is radical. Faith is resilient. Uh, faith has the ability to bounce back. Faith has a strong sense of survival uh, that even backed in a corner uh, hallelujah faith says uh, I shall live and not die uh, I shall declare uh, the works of the Lord uh, faith will stand uh, by itself and say uh, I still believe God uh, is there anybody in here uh, that has the kind of faith uh, that says in spite of what I'm going through uh, I still believe God I still believe God. I don't know what I got to go through, but I'm going to go through what I got to go through because I believe God. I lost my job, but I still believe God. Hallelujah. My child is not saved yet, but I still believe God. The devil is trying to tear up my home, but I still believe God. Because if you're going to be a person of faith, 
you got to stop being a crybaby. Hallelujah. You may weep for a night, but you got to be able, hallelujah, to celebrate. Hallelujah, God. You, you know, once you kind of grow up in this thing a little bit, hallelujah, you're going to start saying, I can't see my way. Hallelujah, but my faith, my faith, hallelujah, has the ability to see. And so I still believe God. I don't know who I'm preaching to. Hallelujah, glory, but somebody is going to have to break down and say, I still believe God. You can't just think it. You can't have somebody else speak it to you. You got to say it for yourself. I still believe God. My body is not where I want it to be, but I still believe God. Because God works a good, God does some of his best work at night when we begin to think again about how God works at night you might recall that God spoke to Abraham and began to cut covenant with Abraham he had to wake Abraham up out of sleep hallelujah or Adam amen who needed a wife and God said to him in order for me to give you a wife I'm going to have to put you to sleep I'm going to have to perform an out overnight outpatient surgery on you. So while Adam slept, God reached into his side and performed a night surgery and gave him his bride Eve. Just over and over and over again, we see how well God works in the nighttime. So touch somebody and tell them, don't despise what you're going through. It's just a nighttime situation. And speaking of nighttime, I was baffled a little bit when I remembered that, that when Judas came to Jesus by night to betray him with a kiss, look at this, Jesus called him friend. But when, P when Peter tried it and tried to stop him from going through his nighttime experience on the cross, Jesus called Peter the devil, <laughs> said, get behind me, Satan. And sometimes you, 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 you just have to let people go through what they have to go through. They didn't hear me over there. You can't rescue everybody out of their stuff all the time because you interfere with God. Sometimes you just have to let folk go through what they have to go through. When God has ordered a midnight experience for you and I try to stop it from happening in your life, all I do is delay what God has in store for you. And sometimes you just have to go through what you have to go through in order to get to where God wants you to get to. And so Jesus said to Peter, you won't do me a favor if you stop me from going to the cross. 
Why, Pastor? Because uh, if there's no crucifixion, uh, then there can be no resurrection. So with these principles, let me consider the text for a moment. Part two, there's 12 tribes in Israel, and each of them have been given a rod or a stick. And it has been dried and aged and cured, and for all intents and purposes, it's dead. And each stick represented a rod of authority that was given to the prince of each tribe. But there was a dispute. And any time that you're going to be blessed by God, you have to expect a dispute. The enemy will not idly sit by idly and watch God bless you. And so there was a dispute that was going on as to who was going to be the leading tribe before God to go into his presence to intercede for the nation of Israel. And there was this bickering and arguing that was going on, and the, the general consensus was that the tribe of Levi um, should be scheduled for this task. But the men of Korah disputed about it because they felt as though it should have been them. And whenever God is getting ready to bless you, there will always be somebody somewhere that feels like they should be the one that's get, that gets chosen. But it's important that regardless of the dispute, if God uh, has given you a dream, don't let anybody, not the scoffers or anybody else, amen, discourage you from, from pursuing your dream. And you've got to be prepared, glory to God, uh, to be able to dream uh, right in the middle of a crisis. And so what Moses was directed to do was to take those 12 sticks out and put them in the middle of the tabernacle. And God says, don't worry about the naysayers. He says, you don't have to do anything. I am going to prove who is chosen by which rod survives through the night and in the process of a nighttime experience, Glory to God, when you come in the next day, there's only going to be one stick that has budded, blossomed, and brought forth almonds. And when you study the text, you find out that the whole experience was surrounded by who's going to be chosen. Somebody say chosen. Yeah. When it comes down to us being chosen, you need to know something about being chosen. Uh, generally speaking, if you're chosen, you're chosen before you know it. There are these stages that you go through with respect to being chosen where you are chosen and you don't even realize that you're chosen. 
Only God knows that he's chosen you. He might say something to you at some point, like he said to Jeremiah. He says, uh, uh, I, I know you. As a matter of fact, I knew you before you were formed in the belly of your mother. And I ordained you. And I sanctified thee to be a prophet among the nations. He says to Jeremiah, I didn't choose you. And you can put your name there. I didn't choose you because you're a good man or a good woman. I didn't choose you because you could sing. Didn't choose you because you finished college. Didn't choose you because of who your daddy was. I didn't choose you because of the lineage of which you have come from or any of those things. I chose you before you were a bleep on the monitor in the hospital. I chose you before you were pushed out through your mother's womb. I chose you. I chose you before your lungs were formed. I chose you while your feet were still webbed and your hands were congealed. I, I, I chose you while you were still a gleam in your daddy's eye. I chose you. I, I chose you before you opened up your mouth in the hospital and drew your first breath and start hollering. I had already chosen you. And when I even chose you while you were still in your sin. While you were still going to and fro and you couldn't even find yourself, I had chosen you. And the reason that the car wreck didn't kill you is because I chose you. The reason that you didn't die on the operating table is because I chose you and I had plans for you and I've got thoughts for you. You need to know that you are chosen. Uh, hallelujah. You need to have faith to know uh, I'm going to take you through the nighttime, uh, but I'm going to bring you out all right because I've chosen you. And so once you begin to understand that, you start taking on a philosophy with other people say, fight me if you want to. I'm still chosen. Talk about me if you choose, but, but I'm still chosen. You can put my name out on the highway, but it doesn't stop God, uh, hallelujah, from, uh, from, from anointing me because I've been chosen for this. Hallelujah, and you need to know that if God has chosen you, no weapon that's formed against you is going to prosper. So the first stage of being chosen is only when God knows that you're chosen. The Bible says that you were chosen in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy before him without blame. The second stage of being chosen is when God speaks to you and causes you to know that you're chosen. He says stuff like, you haven't chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he has purposed in himself according to Ephesians 1 and 9. It's here where God makes us know that we are chosen. And this is the way in the second stage that it works. You start looking back over your life and you say to yourself, wait a minute. 
I should have died right there. But God kept bringing me out. I acted a fool over there and I never should have made it. But God keeps bringing me out. When I was at risk, God brought me out. When it looked like there was no way in the world uh, that I was supposed to be able to come out of all of the trauma that I went through when I was kicked to the curb, when, when my loved one left me, when, when, when folk did me really wrong, I still came out. I was still in my sin, but God kept me. I was in the gang, but God kept me. Hallelujah, I was shooting and getting shot at, but, but God kept me. The night of the shooting. The bullet could have hit anybody, and it did hit somebody, but it didn't hit me. And all of a sudden you begin to recognize I'm chosen. And then the second stage of being chosen is, is where you begin to kind of convince your own self that there's something special about me. And so at that point where you realize that there's something special about you, you stop being intimidated by other people. You start telling people, glory to God, I know that you don't like me. But there's something about me that God really likes. And as long as God likes me, I'm okay. If God likes me, that makes me somebody. I might not be who you want me to be, but there's something about me that's turned, that turns God on. I might not know, glory to God, exactly where I'm going, but God is ordering my steps. I might not know what I'm supposed to know, but God is educating me day after day after day. Touch somebody and tell them I am somebody. It's at this stage you start stirring up the gift that's on the inside of you. It's at this stage, hallelujah, where you start losing intimidation. It's at this stage where you become motivated. Hallelujah, you have made up in your mind, hallelujah, that if I came through all of that to get to where God has me today, there's nothing that's going to stop me in the future. Because I don't believe that God has brought me this far in order to leave me. Hallelujah, I've been through the fire and I'm still here. I've been through the flood and I'm still here. I've been embarrassed real bad, but I'm still here. Hallelujah, what I realize about my life, it doesn't matter what I go through, I always keep coming out. Is there anybody in here that keeps coming out of stuff? stage of being chosen is when you start telling other people that you're chosen. This is where you really get in trouble. When you start telling people, I'm chosen. Hallelujah. When folks start finding out that you are chosen, uh, everybody was all right with you until you start telling people, God has his hand on my life. Hallelujah, I feel the power of God. You know, and some folk may or may not believe it. Glory to God, but 
But one of the things I realized that is that when God chooses you, hallelujah, sometimes, uh, glory to God, those that, that, that would be close to you, they don't understand because you're one way, hallelujah, for the most part. But when God gets ready to use you, uh, hallelujah, he can, he, he can compartmentalize uh, and let you keep being that person over there. But when he gets ready to use you over here, uh, hallelujah, he has the ability to anoint you in a very special way. So now that you start telling people that you're anointed, that you're chosen, all of a sudden now you got a bunch of critics. Yeah, now there's a posse that's trying to destroy you. And uh, if you don't believe me, just ask Joseph. Joseph was all right with God. Hallelujah. He was all right with everybody until he started telling people, God favors me. Yeah. Even folk in his family, when they found out, they stopped liking Joseph. And the reason that people are trying to discredit you is because God is getting ready to bless you. And when God gets ready to bless you, uh, people will always try to discredit you. I'm just talking to me. In our text, at this stage of the, dis it, at this stage of the dispute, Things break down a little bit. So God says, I am going to settle the dispute. Okay? I'm going to settle it. Okay? And I believe that's where I'm at with you all right now. God's going to settle it. You've been trying to convince people and they've been getting mad at you, but God's going to settle it. Moses told the people, I believe that it's the tribe of Levi, but they were getting mad, and God said, don't, don't you get your hands dirty in it. I'll settle it. Tell your neighbor, God's going to settle it. Yeah. Yeah, the devil started it, but God's going to settle it. Yeah. I said the devil started it, but God's going to settle it. Your enemy meant it for evil, but God is going to turn it around for good because God says... He's going to settle it. He's going to settle it. If, if, if you don't know anything else about the word of God on today, would you understand this? And I'm going to try to go ahead and quit because I want to pray. Amen. But God says, I'm going to settle it. God says, you're in trouble right now, but I'm going to settle it. I am going to take you into an area, glory to God, uh, and I am going to hide you. I'm going to protect you. Uh, no weapon that's formed against you is going to be able to prosper. Hallelujah. I am going to stand. Uh, hallelujah. For you, you won't have to fight. I'm going to do all the fighting. I am going to settle it. Uh, God is saying to somebody to stand still. Don't go anywhere. Don't make any rash decision. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord God says I'm going to show you I'm going to show everybody who I've chosen okay you know that you are chosen when you can be blessed right in the middle of a crisis you know that you're chosen, uh, hallelujah, when hell is all around you, uh, hallelujah, and it can't touch you. And that's what I like about God. God is not chaotic, but God sure can bless in the middle of chaos. You don't hear what I'm trying to say to you. 
Hallelujah. Glory to God. Twelve sticks. They all laid out. Glory to God. But the one that I have chosen, God says, is going to bud. It's going to blossom. It's going to bring forth fruit. And it's going to do it in the middle of the night. I don't know who I'm talking to, but God been talking to somebody in the middle of the night. He's been upsetting your sleep in the middle of the night. He's been trying to tell you that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And it's weird that it only happens in the middle of the night. In the middle of the night. And so God says, hallelujah, you're... You don't have to mess with it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You don't have to straighten it out. You don't have to get your hands dirty. I'm going to straighten it out. God doesn't have to straighten out the mess in order to bless you, however. God can leave the mess over there and attend to you blessing and then come back and straighten out the mess later on. But right in the middle of the mess, Right in the middle of your nighttime experience, right when God gets ready, hallelujah, to bless you, you need to know that no devil, no devil in hell is going to be able to circumvent what God is getting ready to do. I don't know who I'm talking to, but if you sense that it's you, would you just jump to your feet? I'm getting ready to quit and just holler yes. God said, I'm getting ready to do it. Hallelujah. And you won't have to fight. I just want you to have faith. You may not be able to see it, but just have faith. Hallelujah. Because without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. God said, stand. After you have done everything that you can, just stand. You don't have to fight. I just want you to stand right in the middle of your nighttime experience, whatever it is, and just stand in it and speak over it and give me praise. Say, Lord, I thank you. Thank you for the trial. Thank you for the test. Thank you for being ridiculed. Thank you for being ostracized. Thank you for being sick. Thank you, Lord. Right in the middle, believe God. And God, in the middle of your enemy, is going to make that thing bud, blossom, and bring forth fruit. Somebody shout yes. Yes, yes, yes. I need somebody uh, that's a real praiser uh, just to get in front of somebody else uh, only to encourage them. Uh, how do you tell them don't worry about anything? But just praise God about everything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Since you're chosen, you don't have to worry who's against you. If God before you, he's more than the world against you. 
You ain't God. You are the majority. So just learn how to give God a praise. Hallelujah. We've got to learn how to praise God in everything. Hallelujah. We only have our moments when we praise him. Hallelujah. We got to praise him in advance. We got to praise him by faith. We've got to praise him at all times. Hallelujah. We've got to praise him when it's good. Praise him when it looks bad. Praise him when we're on the mountaintop. Praise him when we're in the valley. Hallelujah. It's not because somebody tells you. It's because you know that it's right to do. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I'm getting ready to pray, but it's, it's sort of like being, being married. You don't come home every night because of romance. Now, there should be some nights that you come home because there needs to be romance. But you don't come home every night because there's romance. Sometimes you come home because that's where you live. <laughs> Marriage is about commitment. Really being saved is, is, is about commitment. We shouldn't just praise God because he was Santa Claus today. We praise God every day because he's good. We worship him because he's God. And beside him there is no other, so there's nobody else to give praise to. And when we come to understand what our role is, we don't mind offering up a sacrifice of praise from the fruit of our lips. And so it becomes important for us to understand, according to Hebrews 12, 13, it says, by him. Therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. W would you do me a favor and put that scripture up? We're going to read it together, and then I'm getting ready to pray. Hebrews 13, 15. He's really good at this, believe me. Hebrews 13 and 15. Let's read it together. It says, By him, therefore, let us offer Christ the praise to God. Stop. Stop. Let us offer up the sacrifice, the sacrifice of praise to God. How often? Let's continue. That is, 
the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. It becomes important when you know that you're chosen, that you don't worry about circumstances. The only thing that you concern yourself with is continuing to give God the fruit of your lips continually. I want to pray. Thank you for listening today. If you want to learn more info about our church, visit us on our website at www.topchurchlv.com. We hope this message encouraged you to know you can live victoriously through Jesus Christ. Join us next week for another sermon to uplift your spirit.